I really enjoy in the summer water, playing in water. Anyone here enjoy playing in the water in the summer? Yeah, all right, what are some of the things you enjoy doing? What are some of the things you enjoy doing? Shout them out. Kayaking. Kayaking, good one. Paddle boarding. What was that? No. What is it, Colleen? Camping by the water. Great one. What else? Skiing, yes. How about, how about surfing behind a boat? Anyone surfed? Yeah, solid. What else? What do you got? What do you got? Swim what? Oh, swim that. Yes, absolutely. Yes, so many fun things you can do in the water. And I think, I think there are, I think, when I think about kind of three main attitudes towards being around in water. So one attitude is you just enjoy just seeing it, just looking at it like this is great water. Okay, they're in. Excellent. Second option is the, 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 dip, the dip your feet in option. That's where, hey, there's a dock. I can, I can roll up my pants a little, put my feet in. It doesn't really cost, it doesn't take much, but I can do that, and it'll be great. I'll get a little refreshment on the, on, the, on the feet. But the third option is the jump in option. This is the one my children, children always want me to do. So when we go, when we're at Camp Spaulding in the summer, as Kai was mentioning there, and, and uh, we go, we have some time together as a family, and they want me to go swimming, and I love going swimming with them, except I get so cold. And so I just know I'm going to get freezing. And so I kind of dread this moment. And they say, Dad, we got to do it. So we get on the side of the dock and we just go, we just count. All right, one, two, three. And I have to go then. I jump in and we're in. And I swim like crazy and try to get warmed up. And then we have tons of fun. And we're so, I'm so glad we went in. That's the third option, jumping in. I think those three options for how you engage with water are kind of analogous to the ways we see of relating with Jesus in our story today from John chapter 3. As we continue in our series, Alive in Jesus, a new normal from the Gospel of John. So let me introduce you to someone. And I wonder if you could just think about if you can relate to some of these characteristics of this person as I share. This person is a high achiever. Someone who is respected by others. Someone who is logical, has a clear way of thinking about things. Someone who is a leader. Someone who's faithful in religious practice. Someone who's bold, but not overly bold. Kind of carefully taking risks that only make sense. Any of those feel like you might relate to? I hear a snap. Another thing about this person is this person also is very concerned about what others think of them. Very concerned about his reputation. Maybe something some of us can relate to. I know I can. This is Nicodemus. And we're going to meet Nicodemus today in John and get to know him a little bit better. And in Nicodemus, we, say, we see these three different ways to relate to Jesus as we see Nicodemus' journey. This starts in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, uh, Jesus has been doing his thing do, make, do and turn water into wine, these signs, healing, teaching about the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus has been watching this, and he comes to Jesus. He says he's a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews. The Pharisee are the, this religious group that kind of were the keepers of the law, trying to, to keep Judaism focused on the right things, actually trying to honor God. Nicodemus is one of those, one of them, and a leader of them. And he comes to Jesus by night. I think we have the text here on the screen. There we go. He comes to Jesus by night and says to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the very presence of God. 
So the first kind of indicator of what's going on with Nicodemus is what John says. He comes to him by night. Nicodemus is bold to come to Jesus, but calculating it, I don't want anyone really to see me. And so he comes quietly, makes sure no one looks, no one notices me here with him. He calls Jesus a rabbi, a rabbi, my teacher. So there's a sense of respect as he comes to Jesus. He's been watching Jesus. He, he sees what's been going on. But Jesus doesn't take the flattery bait. And Jesus responds in a way like he often does, surprising and pushing to the heart of what's really going on in Nicodemus. And says to him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God, the place where God dwells, the way we're meant to really live with God, without being born from above. Well, Nicodemus in his logical, clear thinking says, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Well, Jesus doubles down. And he says this, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. See, the wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus is looking for an answer, but Jesus offers a relationship. He's looking for an answer. He wants an answer to his question. Jesus doesn't make sense. But Jesus says, well, here's the deal. You can't know what's going on unless God opens the door for you. The spirit that blows to and fro has to open this door so you can be born again and see what God's kingdom is really like. What is it like to really live with God? And so Jesus offers a relationship. You actually have to come to me. Come to God by the Spirit and let the Spirit do this thing in you you can't do on your own, which is called being born again. Born again. Well, Jesus then proceeds from here, and he predicts his crucifixion, and, and, and people are going to be trusting in him. It famously talks about his love that he's shown to the world, for God so loved the world. And Nicodemus slips quietly away. We don't hear what he thinks about this speech of Jesus or this invitation to relationship instead of just an answer to his questions. In a lot of ways, I think we see it in Nicodemus now, our first, first attitude towards relating with Jesus is this. Checking Jesus out, but from a safe distance. We're just going to look, look at the water. He's safely distanced from him. You ever felt like this with Jesus? You know, I, I, I'll, I'll just kind of see. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll check it out. No risk, though. I, I'll just I'll sit right here. I'm not getting wet or anything like that. It's like standing on the edge of, 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 of the, the beach kind of by the forest, you know? So you can see the water. It's beautiful. But if anything gets funny, I'm out. I'm into the forest. I'm gone. No one will even know I was here. That's the first way. Nicodemus relates with Jesus, checking him out from a distance. Well, it's possible that we might not have ever heard more about Nicodemus from there. Maybe that was all we would hear. But he actually pops up twice more in John's gospel. And the first one is in John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, Jesus has been 
healing people, feeding 5,000 with a few loaves, teaching about God with authority. And people are believing in him, saying, this might be the Messiah. This might be the one who's come to make every, going to make everything right in the world. And the religious leaders aren't happy with this. They're threatened. They send the police to arrest Jesus, and they come back empty-handed because they were so impressed by Jesus and who he was, they couldn't arrest him. And now the Pharisees, these leaders, are even more incensed that this foolish crowd is being duped by this Jesus guy. And here we see Nicodemus again. Chapter 7, verse 50. Nicodemus says this. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of the Pharisees, asked, Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? Nicodemus does something here that he wouldn't have done at first. See, something's changed in Nicodemus. I think he's been watching Jesus. The same Nicodemus who came before in the night, don't see me here, now speaks up and defends him, but with a little bit of distance still. It's an intellectual argument. I'm going to intellectually engage with Jesus, but I'm not really going to commit personally to this. I'm going to intellectually engage. Yeah, you know, the law, you know, you all, the law says this. So, so we should probably should think about that. But I'm not going to put my personal, any of my personal weight behind that. It's like sitting on the edge of the dock, putting our feet in, roll up the pants. No big deal. I'm out, easily out anytime. You ever felt that way about Jesus? I can intellectually, yeah, I can think about it. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, sure, it makes sense. There's a lot of things that make sense, or I, yeah, I could see how the stories and that faith thing and trusting him, yeah, that makes sense. But uh, it doesn't really need to, like, change how I live or, like, how I, what I value or how I think about my life or the world or vocation or relationships or my pr- private or my public life or my money. I don't, that's, this is just, yeah, it makes sense. It, I got it. Well, Nicodemus does this, said it's not too risky, but still he gets, he, it costs him a little bit. He gets mocked. They make fun of him saying, oh, are you from Galilee too? Check the Bible. You'll see that no one, no one from Galilee, no prophet comes from Galilee. And we wonder, is Nicodemus going to be deterred from watching Jesus? We wonder. And then we see the third the third way of relating and the third encounter that Nicodemus had, we have with Nicodemus in John's gospel. And it comes in chapter 19. Jesus has continued his trajectory, teaching and whatnot, until eventually he's falsely accused and arrested, brought to a false trial and condemned, flogged and condemned to death by crucifixion, where he's hung on a cross naked in front of everyone to see in Jerusalem. And as he's hanging there, he suffocates to death and dies. And then someone comes to take his body down. Two men actually come. It's not who we'd expect. We'd expect the 12, right? The 12 closest people to him. Peter, James, John, where are you? You know who comes? Verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to come and take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, 
also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus, wrapped it with the spices and linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. And they laid him in a new tomb. Nicodemus is back, and he's changed even more. He's been watching Jesus, and things are different now. At first he came by night, as John reminds us here, but now he comes in broad daylight. At first he came with skepticism and distance. Now he comes holding Jesus' bloody, lifeless body in his arms. Literally. First he came demanding answers, intellectual answers. Now he offers an abundantly generous gift of love. This hundred pounds of spices to embody, to embalm his, his body, this would cost thousands and thousands of dollars. This was like the embalming of a king. Nicodemus offers this to Jesus. He first came fearing what others would think of him, so afraid someone would catch him doing this Jesus thing. And now he comes freed to trust God, freed to step into whatever God has, regardless of what it costs him, regardless of what others think. He's freed now. He's different. This third way of relating to Jesus is an action of surrender. Nicodemus surrenders to Jesus, and now he's free from fear. Nothing's holding him back. He jumps off that, that cliff into the water. There's a, there's a human being halfway up that cliff there, if you watch, look closely. Jumps off, and he splashes in the water, and the water joes over his head, and the cold, refreshing water comes up, and he feels alive. He's found this life. This is the picture that Paul takes, tells us about baptism, being born of water and the Spirit. In, 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 in Romans chapter 6, Paul says, Do you not know all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been buried with him, have been baptized into his death? We've been buried with him in baptism so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we may walk in newness of life. Buried in baptism, raised to new life, Nicodemus has been born again. Baptism is this beautiful public profession of saying, I'm in, Jesus. I surrender. And I want everyone to know it. I'm in. Born again. Nicodemus is born again. And his life changes. In the surrender, he's found freedom. He has been born again by the Spirit of God, watching Jesus and slowly moving in and saying, okay, 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 I'm in. I'm in. I'm jumping in. I'm diving in. I'm all in. And in that, he finds the freedom, no longer afraid of what everyone else thinks about him. Band, you ought to come on up. Do you long for that freedom? Do you long for freedom? In all kinds of ways. Because when we surrender to Jesus, find that born-again life by the Spirit that only he can give, we find freedom. And freedom to stop worrying about impressing and pleasing and proving, and instead free to trust God free to love generously, free to step into the life that is truly life that Nicodemus starts to have right now. So we see three different attitudes towards relating with Jesus. One, checking him out from a safe distance. No risk. Two, intellectually engaging with Jesus. Check the boxes. I think we have a slide for this. And then three, surrender 
surrendering all, free from fear to love, free from fear to trust, free from fear to life. Life, born again life, Holy Spirit led life, empowered good life. Let's stand and sing to this God, Jesus, who invites us to be born again today. Thank mm-hmm. you.